This is our number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler, and this is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. Leah Brandon is off on vacation this week. She'll be back next week. Before we go move on to the um, the specifics of a very busy news week, and there's a ton to talk about, especially, obviously, in the political arena with the Democratic Convention concluding this week and a whole slew of new polls expected to come out uh, with regard to the presidential race. I'll comment on what my predictions will be regarding that. My prediction for Donald Trump's balance was about as dead on as you're ever going to get. And I'll tell you what I expect. I've already tweeted out a few days ago, in fact, right after Hillary's speech on Thursday, I uh, tweeted out what my prediction for her bounce would be, and basically that she would be back to the lead she had almost before the Republican convention. But before we do any of that, I want to just quickly revisit our interview in hour number one with uh, Democratic Congressman John Yarmouth, my friend from Louisville, Kentucky. One of the things we love about John is that even though he's an incredibly liberal Democrat, uh, he's also very honest and will acknowledge most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, at least when he can, uh, what the actual truth is, even when it doesn't sound particularly good for his party. And one of those moments occurred in hour number one when I played for John a clip from Hillary Clinton's acceptance speech at the Democratic Convention where I thought she really jumped the shark going way overboard, not just into liberalism, but flat out socialism in a desperate attempt to appeal to Bernie Sanders supporters. And here's what that sounded like. Bernie Sanders and I will work together to make college tuition free for the middle class and debt free for all. And somewhat to my surprise, when I played that clip for John and asked, I told him I thought that was complete bullcrap, he essentially agreed, said it was an empty promise that will never happen. That's right, a Democratic, a leading Democratic congressman said it's an empty promise that will never happen. And he's right about that. And he also admitted on a follow-up question that it's even worse than that. Because much like the illegal immigration issue, whenever people start talking about amnesty, what happens? Illegal immigrants who hear about that, come and they're not, these are not particularly educated people. All they're hearing is you know, rumors of amnesty or some sort of headline makes it across either through the Internet or whatever, however news might travel, however you might pick it up. And you go, all right, well, this is the time to go to America. And you cross the border illegally. And there's always there's always spikes of illegal immigration whenever there is serious talk of amnesty. Well, similar to that phenomenon, which shouldn't shock anybody who understands anything about human nature, if you've got a leading presidential candidate, the person who, in my view, is about 85% certain to be our next president of the United States, saying that college tuition is going to be free for the middle class, and debt-free for everybody. Why in the world would you ever, if you have outstanding student loans, why would you pay them right now? Why in the world would you do that? I mean, worst-case scenario, you're delinquent for a little bit. I mean, they've already basically told you that that under an Hillary administration, that's going to be a very low priority, 
and they might be forgiven, and who knows? I mean, but John acknowledged that that creates an enormous problem on, on multiple levels, not just the one I just referenced, but also the the fact that you, you now have a created a circumstance where everybody's going to want to go back to college if you're unemployed, so why not me? I think he referenced the 48-year-old coal miner or whatever. And that's a lot like healthcare. Gee, when you make something free, isn't it amazing how much more people are going to consume it? Gee, who could have possibly thought that? This is a stunning revelation about the nature of humanity. But Hillary, from what I could tell, got a total pass from the news media on that. Even though you just heard a Democratic leading Democratic liberal congressman acknowledge my words, it's bullcrap. And it's dangerous bullcrap at that. Yet the news media said basically nothing about it, other than maybe that from a political standpoint, it was an attempt to appeal to Bernie Sanders voters. And I'm not even sure how effective that's really going to be. I don't know. I, I, I can't. It's hard for me to put myself in the mind of a Bernie Sanders Supporter. I don't have anything in common with a Bernie Sanders supporter. I'm, a, I'm 49 years old, and most Bernie Sanders supporters are millennials, and they have a completely different set of value system, or a completely different value system, assuming they even have one, uh, than I do. But um, but anyway, I thought that was very interesting that, that Congressman Yarmouth was uh, willing to acknowledge that. As far as the the politics of all of this, all right, I really did believe that the Democratic convention hit all the right notes until Thursday, from what I could tell. And I, folks, you got to understand, I'm not somebody that tells people things that they want to hear. I'm all about the truth. I get a lot of people who listen to talk radio don't want to hear things like President Obama gave a heck of a speech politically. I know he's supposed to be, well, he's not Lucifer because apparently, according to Ben Carson, Hillary Clinton is at least associated with Lucifer. But, you know, he might as well be the devil incarnate. I get that. And I made a movie. I spent an entire, basically two years of my life dedicating dedicating to exposing what a fraud the 2008 election was with a documentary called Media Malpractice. So I, I have no love for Barack Obama. I'm well on the record there. I have enormous street cred. But he gave a tremendous speech, especially from a political perspective. I mean, he knows his politics. There's a reason why he got elected president twice as a man who was basically unqualified the first time and after having done a lousy job the second time. He understands politics. And if they had ended the convention on Wednesday, I think Hillary might have been better off because even I was like, wow. That was the most positive I have felt towards Barack Obama at any point in his presidency because he talked about an America that is far more hopeful. Might be unrealistic at this point. Might be naive, and it's certainly politically motivated. But he talked about a vision of America that I found far more appealing than I did from specifically Donald Trump's acceptance speech. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think politically Barack Obama's speech was at least a home run, if not a grand slam for the Democrats. That doesn't mean it's all over, but it definitely ensured that there was going to be at least some sort of a bounce for her. 
And I, I predicted before the conventions what the bounces were going to be. And it looks like it's going to turn out exactly that way. Although it's possible. We don't know for sure yet. It's possible Hillary's bounce might be even bigger than I expected or predicted. I'll explain what I mean by that when we return on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She's off this week. She'll be back next. And there is uh, so much to get to, specifically regarding the race to the White House 2016. Obviously, the Democratic convention occurred this week. Before the Republican convention, my uh, prediction uh, was that uh, the race would be tied going into the convention or by the end of the convention and that when that convention ended, I predicted both on the air here as well as in my Mediate column, which you can check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com, that Trump would be ahead 45 to 42 in the head-to-head matchups. Now, calculating this is very, very difficult because a lot of the polls, they come out at different times over the last week. Some of them encapsulate time periods before the convention ended some just after the convention ended some polls have different methodologies so it's really it's a it's a dicey proposition to determine where the race really is especially with so much going on but you could certainly argue and i've looked at the numbers if you take the, the polls only after the republican convention and only those that have traditional methodology you basically come up with a situation where trump was about 45.5, and Hillary was somewhere around 43, maybe a little bit more than 43. So I thought it would be uh, 45, 42, and it's probably closer to maybe at best for Trump, 46, 43, which is basically the same same deal. It's the same margin. The most important thing is the margin, uh, at least at this point. And so my prediction was pretty darn close for what Trump's convention bounds would be, it would be about three points. I also predicted at that point in that same column for Mediate that after the Democratic convention, Hillary would nudge ahead again and that she would probably maintain that lead for quite a while and that she was still the favorite, although I was starting to come to the conclusion, partially because I was confused by how the media was treating Donald Trump with far more respect than I thought that they would. I thought they were going to give him the full Sarah Palin treatment, and they have not. They've accepted that he's somehow qualified for president. They've been critical of him, no question about it, and they were absolutely more, much more biased in Hillary's direction when you compare the coverage of the Democratic convention to the Republican convention. That's absolutely 100% true, but I thought they would try to cut Trump off at the knees and not even allow him to become qualified. I think in a, in a large percentage of the population's mind after the Republican convention, he did become quote-unquote qualified, which was one of his biggest hurdles. But I predicted the moment that his speech ended that uh, Hillary would nudge ahead, and that I was no longer as sure that this was going to be a, anywhere near a blowout. I've never really predicted a blowout. I've always just been sure that Trump would lose. I, I thought that it might end up being closer than a lot of people 
expected largely because of this confusion with regard to the news media. I always viewed the news media as kind of like Hillary Clinton's goalkeeper. That last case scenario, worst case scenario, the last resort, uh, that they would always be able to block Trump from getting into the White House because they would see it as their moral imperative to do so. I'm not 100% convinced that that's going to override their desire for ratings anymore. So that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye out on. But as far as what Hillary's balance is going to be, uh, I predicted after Hillary's speech on uh, Thursday that she would end up with the same three-point lead, I said 46-43, that Trump effectively had after his speech. Now, we don't know yet what the results are of the polling. We've had a couple of polls come out, one that's considered legitimate, but it's a Democratic poll that has Hillary up by five which I think, you know, looking at the internals on that one, I thought it was a little bit biased towards Hillary with the sample uh, that they that they used for that poll. So that might end up being closer to my prediction than even the five points. There's another poll that's an online poll that's not particularly reputable that has Hillary just blowing the doors off of it at this point, which I, I cannot believe. We'll know tomorrow morning. I, I, my guess is that there'll be three or four major polls out nationally. And I think that if you take those polls that are coming out, uh, let's say the, the, the one I've already referenced, the one that, that's plus five for Hillary, and you take those that come out tomorrow that were done after the Democratic convention, I, I feel pretty confident that you're going to see Hillary Clinton with about a three-point lead. I don't know what the exact numbers are going to be. Maybe it'll be close to 46, 43, like I, I predicted on Thursday night. Uh, but it's certainly going to be in that ballpark. And the key number for Trump, as I've been saying for months and months, and why I've been so confident that he cannot win, is that his percentage is simply not high enough. It's just not. I mean, if after, if tomorrow, we've gotten after the Republican convention, after the Democratic convention, obviously 100% of the population knows who Donald Trump is, knows what his campaign is basically about, even the complete... The people that aren't even paying attention, they know enough about Donald Trump to form an opinion. If he still can't get over 45% in most, if not all, of the national polls, I'm sorry. How? Where is he going to get that extra at least 2, 3, 4%? I mean, you've, you know, even in a four-person race, even if you consider Stein and the Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson, who, which I think they, they may end up fading away because they're not going to be in the debates, it doesn't look like. Even if you consider them, even in a four-person race, you've got to get nationally at least 46 47%. So where does Trump get that, that extra couple of percentage points? No one can tell me that. And by the way, he's not even really close. I believe we're going to see that his numbers are probably in the 42 to, at best, 44 range starting tomorrow after the convention. There's no other events other than the debates, barring major news. And obviously we've been saying all along, a major terrorist attack could theoretically change things, but there's no other events other than the debates that would could theoretically dramatically alter that number. Speaking of the debates, is Donald Trump setting the stage or trying to wimp out of them? I'll talk about that when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host Leah Brandon is off this week. She'll be back next. We're talking about a very, very busy week in presidential politics, obviously, with the Democratic Convention coming to a close. And political watchers are waiting with uh, bated breath, to use an overused cliche, uh, with uh, the next round of polling, which will come out probably tomorrow morning, which I think really will set the race for at least the next month or two before the first scheduled debate. And I will talk momentarily about whether or not Donald Trump is trying to set things up for a potential bailing on those debates uh, in just a bit. But first, I, I want to clarify something about the, my basic premise of this campaign. And this is important, one, if you're trying to understand what's likely to happen, and two, if you're a regular listener to the, this program, I think it's, it's important that you understand where the host is coming from. And, you know, oftentimes I don't explain everything every time I discuss something because there's just not enough time. Tonight it's a little bit different because Leah's not here. I'm all alone. Oh, poor John. And I have a little bit more time to get into the details. The reality is when I say that Donald Trump needs to get 46% of the popular vote nationwide to have any chance of winning, I am fully aware that that's not how you win the presidency. (laughs) You need 270 electoral college votes. And I get, by the way, that this year might be very different than any other year. We might see disparities in the votes so large in some states that it could be theoretically possible that either candidate might do much better in the electoral college than they do in the popular vote. My guess is that that person would be Hillary. But I don't know that for sure. So when I say 46%, what I mean is that that is the level, the the lowest level at which I can see conceivably Trump doing, going through the only path he has for the presidency. And that's one of the reasons why, one of the prime reasons why I'm so confident still to this day, even though a lot of the liberal bedwetting frauds like Nate Silver the media darling predictor who's wrong, been wrong about almost everything in this campaign, and I've personally called him out and successfully done so. I was right and he was wrong back in November of 2015 about where the Republican nominating process was going. Just Google for yourself, Dear Nate Silver, and you'll see me opening up a can of whoop-ass on that liberal media darling fraud. But he actually has Trump currently as the favorite, at least he did a couple of days ago, uh, I think 57% favorite. That's it's just flat out ridiculous. And, and part of the reason why it's ridiculous is there's only one logical path for Trump unless something just cataclysmic happens to completely fundamentally alter everything we think we know. Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world where 9-11 is possible. So, you know, if something like that occurs, then... You know, all bets are literally off. But under the current conditions, okay, the only logical path that Donald Trump has to win the presidency is to win every single Romney state and then add Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. We've been saying this for months. People are starting to figure it out. You know who else has figured it out? Hillary Clinton has figured it out. Not only did she, obviously they had the convention, which was planned years ago in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, but where did Hillary go immediately after the convention? 
She took a tour, a bus tour of Pennsylvania and into Ohio. Where did she announce her vice presidential pick? South Florida. She knows. They know. Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania are their firewall. Trump must win all three of those or else it's over. And by the way, I happen to believe that the Hillary campaign would put North Carolina in this category, even though that was a Romney state. Romney barely won North Carolina. I think part of the reason Tim Kaine from Virginia is on the ticket is because they think they can that he can help them in North Carolina. And I agree. It's not just because he's a neighbor, it's a neighboring state, but I think his mentality works very well with the mentality of North Carolina. North Carolina is no longer really a southern state. It is much more like Virginia, which is no longer a southern state. So I, I think that the Hillary campaign, strategically, they were a little slow in picking up on Pennsylvania, which we've been talking about for months on this program, is where Trump thinks he's going to win the presidency. Now they've gotten it. So let's just do the basic math on this, folks. This is not difficult math. I'm going to seed. I'm going to seed that somehow Trump wins all the Romney states, which, by the way, I'm hardly sure of. I think he's got problems in Arizona. I think if Mitt Romney were to endorse Gary Johnson, I think he'd have a hell of a time winning Utah. If either of those two things happen, this is over. But let's just pretend, just for the sake of argument, he's going to win all the Romney states. He's got to win North Carolina as part of that equation, which I think is a 50-50 shot. He's got to win Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, and at that point, he barely gets over 270 electoral college votes. Let's just, for sake of argument, let's just pretend that it's a 50-50 shot for him to win North Carolina, it's a 50-50 shot for him to win Florida, and it's a 50-50 shot for him to win Ohio, and same with Pennsylvania. By the way, that's probably optimistic from a Trump perspective, but just for the sake of argument, and just to make the math simple, 50-50 shot in those four states, I've already granted him all the other Romney states from 2012. Well, folks, if if you flip a coin, which is a 50-50 shot, four times, the chances of that coin coming up heads four times, or in this case, Trump four times, Trump in North Carolina, Trump in Florida, Trump in Ohio, Trump in Pennsylvania, the statistical chances of that are one in 16. One in 16. So you're telling me there's a chance. One in 16 is not a particularly good chance. It's nowhere near being the favorite, as some people have suggested bizarrely in my mind, that Donald Trump is somehow now the favorite. No, he, he is not the favorite. He's not the favorite unless and until he is leading with at least 47, 48, 49% of the vote in North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. And there's no indication of that yet. And if it hasn't happened now, and, I, and by the way, part of whatever bounce Hillary's going to get is, is going to fade next week too. See, I, I would expect that next week, by the end of next week, we'll actually have a very clear picture once the dust is settled. We're going to get a decent picture tomorrow. Well, but even clear picture by the end of next week when the dust is fully settled as to where this race really is. So and my, my guess is worst case for Hillary by the end of next week, barring no major news, she'll be up by a couple of points nationwide. And there'll be no indication that Trump has done what he would have to do 
in those four key states of North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Now, if if we get data that indicates he can win those four states, then that changes everything. But that data does not exist, and it has to exist by this point because the Republican convention is over. And the only major event, barring major news, that is still to come, assuming he doesn't bail out of them, is the debates. And when we come back, I will discuss whether or not Donald Trump is setting the scene for him to indeed bail on those debates on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host Leah Brandon is off this week. She'll be back next. And uh, I want to talk now about whether or not Donald Trump is setting the stage for him to exit the stage and bail out of the three big mega presidential debates that the media is salivating over. I mean, can you imagine if the media lost out on those three colossal events. My gosh, they'd have to shut CNN down. I mean, CNN would have their clock ticker for one of those debates five, six, seven days ahead. I mean, that that's all they would talk about because they're just perfect media events. It's lazy. You know exactly when it happens. Everybody's there. You can't get beaten on the story. There's lots of anticipation. It's got the feel of a football game. There's winners. There's losers. Everybody understands the concept. You don't have to talk about policy. You don't have to do any work, which is what the media really hates to do. So this is the perfect media story, which, by the way, is part of why I don't think Donald Trump is going to be able to get out of doing these debates. But why am I even mentioning this? Well, first of all, it's important to point out (laughs) that, you know, when someone has done something in the past, there's a pretty good chance they're going to try to do it in the future. And Trump already bailed on debates. Remember, he bailed on that Fox News debate, allegedly over Megyn Kelly, with whom he almost literally kissed and made up with on that very poorly rated Fox television special that has not been duplicated since, and for good reason, because it was horrendous. He bailed on that and pretended he was going to raise money for veterans, and then he didn't raise any money or didn't give any money to veterans until the Washington Post shamed him into giving his million dollars. Remember that? So he's already skipped one debate because he claimed that the moderator was against him, even though that same moderator, as I've already said, ended up kissing his butt uh, in that special to which I referred. And then once it finally got down to three candidates, Cruz, Kasich, and Trump, Trump was nowhere to be seen. There There was another debate scheduled. That whole debate got canceled. They just decided not to have it. Because why bother? Trump was the front runner at that point. There was no leverage to make him debate. And frankly, I believe that Trump knew that he had nothing to win, everything to lose, and that there was a good chance he would get exposed without a whole bunch of people on stage. See, when there's a bunch of people on stage, you can hide because there's not that much time. Trump can give his Make America Great Again answer and say Little Marco or Lion Ted or Crooked Hillary and move on, and there's no chance for anyone to come back at you. When you get down to two or three, the dynamics change. And so Trump has basically already bailed twice. 
You could argue that, you know, he deserved to bail the second time because he was effectively the nominee, although it wasn't 100% over at that point. But there, there was just no leverage or pressure for him to do it, and there was no political damage done by him not doing that debate. Because after all, at that point, there had been like 18 debates, and no one cared that much anymore. We had seen enough debates, even though we really hadn't seen any debates. That's the really crazy part. There hadn't been one really legitimate debate. Not one. But the perception was that there was all these debates, and we were all debated out. So that's the background. So then Donald Trump tweets out, as if this is breaking news. A couple days ago, he tweets out, oh my gosh, the outrage, how sad this is, that the debates are scheduled, two of the three scheduled debates between Trump and Hillary conflict with NFL football games. By the way, not the Super Bowl, not the playoffs, not even a late-season division-deciding game. No, no. These are games in two games in September and October <laughs> in a 16-game season. And I believe one is on a Monday night and one's on a Sunday night, which would be interesting for the John and Leah show. But I digress. So he tweets this out. This is outrageous. And he, he accuses Hillary and the Democrats of conspiring. <laughs> Anybody else, I, I wouldn't believe this is possible. He tweeted out that Hillary and the Democrats have basically conspired to have the debates go up against NFL football games because they want a lower audience and that this is unacceptable to him. Well, of course, this being Trump, the facts are usually very different from what he says. And, you know, the facts are whatever he thinks they are. He lives in his own little world. The reality is that these debates have been set well before Anybody even thought of Donald Trump being the nominee well before the NFL schedule was set, although people knew there would be Monday night games and Sunday night games. But Democrats and Republicans had nothing to do with this. This was a joint decision by the debate council or panel or committee, whatever you want to call it. And there's no conspiracy here. More importantly, why is he doing this? Well, based upon his M.O., and I guess really there's two types of people in the world right now. There's those that understand the way Donald Trump operates, and there's those that willfully are naive or blind to it and pretend that he is a completely sincere, honest person who is looking out for the little guy and just wants to make America great again. No, I mean... (laughs) That's not who Donald Trump is. Donald Trump is all about Donald Trump, and Donald Trump has a very clear modus operandi. And it is very consistent with that MO for him to start putting this out there as a trial balloon. Oh, this schedule, we're up against the NFL. That's not going to be acceptable so that he can muddy the water and eventually bail on these things depending on how negotiations go. And by the way, I'll give Trump some credit. This might be his way of negotiating better circumstances to his advantage when the specifics of the debate are finally decided on. Of course, if Trump had his way, the debates would be like 15 minutes long and answers would be limited to 15 seconds and you'd be required to have at least one insult in every single answer. I doubt that Hillary's going to go for that. 
But that's the way Trump would want it. So it's possible that this is a negotiating tactic. I personally believe it's more of a trial balloon to see whether or not it's possible to stir up enough dust that he can indeed bail on this without having too much political damage. I'll explain why in a second. But on the you know, the thing here is, by the way, I have to, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that as part of this conspiracy that he's tossing out there, he flat out lied on ABC to George Stephanopoulos when he did an interview and he said that the NFL had written him a letter saying that the schedule conflict for the debates was ridiculous. That's a quote from Donald Trump, not on a tweet, but in an interview with George Stephanopoulos for ABC News for this week on ABC. It aired this morning, Sunday morning. A flat-out lie. A complete, total fabrication. Not my opinion, folks. The NFL actually issued a statement saying that while we're not particularly happy, I'm paraphrasing, we're not particularly happy with the conflict, we did not send Donald Trump a letter of any sort complaining about the conflict. Now, the other element of this, which I find rather bizarre, is we live in an era where almost everybody has the ability to record whatever they want. DVRs, on demand, and oh, by the way, the entire debate is going to be available online almost immediately after it's done. Forever. It'll be easy to find. So who exactly is the person, and I understand you want to watch live sporting events, especially, live because you might find out who won and it kills the interest, excitement, drama, whatever. So if you're really that into the football game, you watch the football game and then it'll be replayed on the cable news networks probably later that night or you just simply tape it or you go online. I mean, there's literally nobody in America that would not be able to access a presidential debate at some point because there's no imperative that you watch it live. Because even though, you know, MSNBC will declare Hillary the winner, we know for sure. CNN will almost certainly declare Hillary the winner. My guess is that the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, will declare Hillary the winner. We do know that Fox will declare Trump the winner almost no matter what happens. So from that standpoint, there's no drama either, but there's no specific 100% clear-cut, quote-unquote, winner or loser. There's no score at the end to ruin the drama for you. So there's literally not one person that's going to be cheated out of a watching a presidential debate in time for a November 8th election. You got to remember that. <laughs> what? I mean if this was if the debates were held on November 7th, then maybe you could make an argument that this conflict matters because people just wouldn't have enough time to get around to watching the debate before they actually voted. Well, that's not the case here. This is well before the voting deadline. So what's really happening? Well, like most bullies, and Donald Trump is, in fact, a bully. Hillary is right about that, although I think she's overplaying that card because I think it makes him look stronger than he deserves to look in a lot of ways. But like a lot of bullies, Donald Trump is actually afraid of a fair fight. And a one-on-one, 90-minute debate with a moderator who's clearly not going to be on his side with somebody who knows a hell of a lot more, regardless of how much of a liar she is, no matter how corrupt she is, 
No matter how failed she is as a Secretary of State, she knows a hell of a lot more about the facts and the essence of policy than Donald Trump. That bully wants no part of that. Now, on the other hand, when we come back, I'm going to say that I think Trump, there is a scenario where Trump does pretty well in the debates. That and more, hour number three, coming up next. <laughs> 